Welcome back to the 21st episode of Southern Fried E-Commerce. 21, we are legal. Uh, I guess to drink. We were legal at 18, but I guess legal to drink uh, in, most, in most states without them withholding federal highway funds. Did you know that, Emily? That, that, that 21 is a nationwide thing, not because it's part of the Constitution or anything like that, but because if a state allows you to drink at age 18, the federal government with, will, will withhold uh, federal highway funds. That's a lot of information to dump this morning. <laughs> Yeah, very early on, very early on. But it is something yeah. interesting, right? Because uh, technically, uh, Georgia could be a drink at 18. I think that you at least have to be 18, uh, but but drink at 18 state. But if we were to make it a, um 18 age limit, then we would have all of our federal funds stripped away from uh, 75, I guess, 85, any, any federal highways. And they're already bad enough anyway, so that probably wouldn't be yeah. good for us. <laughs> I mean, it'll just hold back that construction from, what, a 20-year construction build to like a 40-year construction build? <laughs> or maybe just no construction build and traffic will get a little bit better here. You know, Atlanta. honestly, maybe it's not so bad. <laughs> Yeah, hey, let's do it. Let's lobby the state to uh, lower the drinking. And actually, no, I'm 38, so I think you should be 27 before you're allowed to have a drink. 27? My God. 27. So you wouldn't be legal yet. I'm 29. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Ooh, the big 3-0. When is your birthday? In August. Okay, coming up. I'll have to put that one away in the... Oh, Lord. All right, I lied. I lied. I lied. Forget about it. (laughs) But yeah, 21 episodes. We um very fortunate to continue doing this. We missed last week's episode. Just couldn't um, do it without me, huh? For some reason. Yeah, oh yeah, because you were gone. That's why. That's why. I just couldn't. And Supra was gonna fill in, and I was like, no, I'm not feeling this. He's and too so. youthful. Not not for you. <laughs> and I was just coming back from the um big commerce partner summit in uh, in Austin, uh, which is where our guest hails from today. I won't, we're not going to announce her yet. Don't say anything. Uh, but uh, that's where she hails from the Austin, Texas region. Austin's a, um, an interesting town. Uh, that's, that's how an interesting town. Have you ever been to Austin? I haven't. I, I've always wanted to go, but one of my big exes lives in Texas, funny enough. And I just, I stay away from that state if all possible. Are you a George Strait fan? My mom is. Fun fact. (laughs) George Strait and Panic at the Disco. Uh, She used to be the person that he'd be in town and she would sit in the hotel parking lot and watch him just kind of go into his hotel room and just sit there and watch. What would a George Strait fanatic be called? I don't want to call your mom a groupie because I was probably too far there, but uh, huh. A straight, a straight, a straight head. head. <laughs> straight head. I guess so. Ah, all right. Well, I am Jay Brimber. I'm the COO over here at EY Studios. With me, I have my co-host Emily Faulkner. Emily's had a uh, good week. Oh, right? the best week. The best week ever. Um, again, have you had a chance to watch that VH1 show? No, I've been busy. No, you couldn't find it even if you wanted to. And we have a special guest this week, a very special guest, an outside-of-the-office guest. Uh, you excited about this? I one? am the most stoked I could possibly be. One day I want you just to be like, no, I'm not too excited about this guest. <laughs> and it, it can be an external guest, and it'll throw the whole show for them. And they just got to like work to be in my good graces the whole time. 
Yeah, start from zero with you, and then let's see how <laughs> how well they do, and that's when we'll decide if we if we like them. But we do know that we like this person right here. She's been EY's partner managers at a couple of different stops. Um, well, two, two or three, maybe two. Um, she's been working with us for ages, it seems like. I don't know, five years maybe at this point. Miss Chloe Fisher. Chloe, how are you doing Hello. today? Hello. Um, I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here. And and yeah, Jay, to your point, we've been working together for what feels like forever. So thrilled to uh, to finally have made the pod. Does it feel like forever because we've been a bad partner and we're just not easy to no, work with? No, it feels like forever because Emily and I have so many inside jokes. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Yeah, no, it's a good thing. You guys, uh, you guys are one of the agencies I've worked with longest and... Uh, definitely one of my favorite in the game. So don't tell my other partners I said that. But I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> it's going to be in our blog notes, and we're going to, that's going to be our social media, um, our social media announcement. Uh, attention, uh, Chloe from Clyde says uh, EY Studios is her favorite partner. Won't proof listen to this podcast. <laughs> there you go. I mean, hey, however we're getting the people to listen, I'll, I'll take the clickbait. There you go. <laughs> there we go. And that is clickbait. See, I'm good at this clickbait stuff. I mean, you should come to me for more social media. You're right. Advice. I absolutely should. Yep. 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 Uh, so, inside jokes, any that we can be a part of? I guess if we're a part of them, they're no longer inside. Why are you trying to get in our group? Yeah. I, I mean, Jay, if I'm honest, most of the jokes are probably about you. I'm just kidding. Well, this has been a fun podcast. Uh, we'll make sure we'll put a link to Clyde in the description. And... No, I'm just teasing. Oh. I'm just teasing. But no, actually, it was it was cool. Recently, I was able to uh, to come on site and be in your office, and it was the first time in what feels like forever that I've I've actually done a partner on site and and gone into um, an agency's office. And it was so great to to meet so many of your team in person. Jay, it was the first time you and I met in person. And uh, and Emily and Supro took me for some really good barbecue. We had a couple great beers. So yeah, no, it's been uh it's been an exciting run so far this year. Well, did Supro and Emily have a beer during work hours? Absolutely not water all the way. I didn't I didn't <laughs> gotcha. see any drinking during work hours, but we did go to, uh, to huh. e-commerce meetup afterwards. There was beer there. I there was you. beer there. I hear you. What barbecue did y'all go eat? Uh, Queenie's Barbecue inside uh, Reformation Brewery. Oh, wow. Y'all went uh, up to Woodstock. Y'all braved Woodstock that day. I like yeah. Woodstock. It's super cute. Mm. Very cool little area. Oh. I know. I feel like uh, I got a really, really good tour of the greater Atlanta area from your team, Woodstock, downtown Marietta. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's amazing that they fit 150,000 people there in the 60s for a concert. <laughs> um, Chloe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Don't go too deep into the company yet. We'll hit that in just a second. But tell us about yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so my name's Chloe Fisher. I am the director of agency partnerships at uh, an e-commerce app called Clyde, which we'll talk more about later. Um, I live in Austin, Texas, as, as Jay mentioned before. Um, I'm really into craft beer and I'm really into English bulldogs. Um, aside from that, 
Uh, I'm not that interesting of a person, so I'm thrilled to be here and, and hopefully share <laughs> some interesting facts about myself and uh, chat e-com with you guys. But I'm very passionate about e-commerce. I've been in the space for years. And uh, and anytime I get to nerd out about e-commerce with with other people who also enjoy it, it's one of my favorite things. Very good, very good. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Craft beer? Are you? Uh, what was your what's your favorite like style? IPA, Pilsner. Ooh, you know what? Lager. I actually am really into Belgian beers. So Belgians are are yeah Woo. my jam. And uh, my dad and I actually brew a batch of a, a Belgian triple called Carmelite once a year every year. We brew it, and uh, typically we do that in January after his birthday. And then we keep a couple bottles for Christmas that same year. And to me, triple Carmelite tastes like a Christmas morning. It's my favorite beer. I love that. Did you come up with a name, Carmelite? Uh, no, Carmelite is actually a, a Belgian beer. Um, yeah, gotcha, so we brew gotcha. a beer that's like the Carmelite. Gotcha. I'm an IPA person. I'm, I, I stay away from the Belgians. They're a little, little too heavy for me. But of course, IPAs are very heavy to a lot of people yeah. too. So. Are you a, My dad is a Belgian oh, drinking, okay. drinker. Are you a West Coast or an East Coast IPA guy? Do you like the hops or do you like a little bit more juicy, fruity balance? I'll do it all. I do West Coast, East Coast, New England. Yeah. You know, they have all sorts of, uh, who knows? They all, at at some point, they begin to taste the same to me. (laughs) And I, and I I say this as somebody, and I don't know that I should admit this, but over probably eight, nine years, I have about 1,000 beers in my untapped that I've just tried over time. And it's just that at this point, it's like, okay, now it's, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a little, it's a little. Yeah, man, I wish I would use my untapped. I have one and I used to be so good about logging beers. But the thing for me is you drink a couple beers and you forget to log everything that happens (laughs) after a few. Without a doubt. That's what happened to me in Austin. (laughs) We and you got to hang out in Austin and what's the street called? Laney, Rainy, Rainy Street? Rainy Street. Yeah. Went out on Rainy Rainy Street Street. for a a business event, which is very brave. (laughs) Yeah, I was, um, I don't, yeah. It was, it's a neat, I think we went there the last time I was there, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was a neat little environment. They had a lot of nice IPAs there. Unfortunately, I'm with you. Um, I forgot to log them because we were networking and, um, yeah, just, just didn't get around to it, yeah. but so I don't know what I would have if I actually sat around and logged my beers. Emily, I think we've discussed this before. You're, you're more of a like a vodka drinker <laughs> I like hard liquor <laughs> yeah. I, I've always tried to get into beer because you know in Georgia we're just we're like beer central and it just it's ne- it's always too much it's too heavy I feel like I'm drinking like bread which sometimes ooh at a Braves game with a nice uh blue moon like a honey wheat blue moon ooh, that is yeah. summer that is summer mm-hmm yeah, we're not going to get to watch the Braves this year. Why not? They're holding out. Hold out. But I got yeah. my Dansby Swanson jersey. Too bad. They might trade no! I don't know. I'm just, coming I'm just depressed stuff. now. <laughs> well, thanks right. for coming, well, that's Chloe. good because now we can go into five questions with Chloe. Um, Chloe, you ready for uh, my five questions I for you? I am so ready for your five questions. Well, Learn a little bit about you, and then we'll we'll, we'll slide on into the Clyde uh, promo here. But uh, first and foremost, Chloe, what's your least favorite business Ooh. jargon? All right, when people use the word synergy, 
I hate the word <laughs> synergy. I think it's so terrible. And I've I've unironically used it a couple times in a business setting and almost immediately anytime after I've used it, I've apologized for using the word. Um, but synergy is definitely my least favorite business jargon. Emily actually set up a meeting for us on Monday for marketing synergies. I told her I did not like that. Oh my God, Jay. I knew you were going to throw me under the bus for your meeting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Really, really. Uh, Now synergies is one we don't, we don't enjoy here. How do you feel about the uh, salutation cheers in an email? Okay. So here's the thing. As, as you know, my last company that I worked for was a British company, Bright Pearl. And in, in the UK, cheers is a pretty common salutation. And I will say I'm an American who uses cheers as an email sign off. Is that, is that a bad thing? Should I not do that? Do not listen to our festival episode. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. We can go, we go pretty hard at that salutation. Um, let's see here. Are you a gamer, Chloe? And if so, what games are you, you know playing? What? I am like the most boring gamer of all time because I'm not really a gamer, but I'm into like iPhone games. Um, when I was in your office recently, your team and I had a great conversation about Wordle. Wordle is is a, a rage right now. It's a hit. I do Wordle every day. My boyfriend and I try to figure out who got it in like fewer tries. So as far as gaming, Wordle's about as deep as I go. That and then there's this fabulous game uh, in the iPhone app store called Water Sort Puzzle. And I'm on like level 987. <laughs> <laughs> but that's about as deep as I get into gaming. <laughs> Oh, did you get today's word? On you know Wordle? what? I haven't done the Wordle for today yet. Ooh, I know. That's a tough one. I was at six. So Ooh, good luck all to right. you. I will keep you updated on today's Wordle. Since the New York Times have taken over, I know that it's, uh, it's cliche to say at this point, but they've got a little bit they're more hard. difficult. Yeah. A little like, bit more everyone stop lying. They're hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of cheaters out there, Emily. I see them. I'm like, how did you get this? And there's no way... They, they'll get one letter right, and then after that one letter, every time it's it's the second line they get it right. Like, come yeah. on, guys! Like, just don't share it. You know, if you don't get it right in two, just don't share it. If you're going to be ashamed of it, but you don't have to cheat and share it in exactly. two. Exactly. But you're right, though. They are getting harder. I mean, the word of the day yesterday was bloke. Who who yeah. among us? Like, we're Americans. New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I actually think I got bloke in three. I actually also got bloke in three, but taste it. I think that was Sunday's word. Oh, I was like, that's tassa. not a word. <laughs> no, tacit. That was a tricky one. Tassa. Uh, tassa uh, see, word. I don't even know how to pronounce it because it's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So that's some good games right there. iPhone gamer. You should play clash of clans. That's a fun game on the, uh, on the mobile. It's a little bit more strategic, but, um, yeah, try that one out. What emerging technology interests you the most? Ooh, that's a really good question. The emerging technology that I think interests me the most right now, and and I'm not going to give some Clyde pitch because, you know, I'm not going to get into work, although Clyde is an emerging technology that I'm very excited about. Um, I would say I really love everything that's happening in the VR world around the idea of being able to not have to leave your house and still feel like you're walking inside a store to shop. This is something I'm super excited about, what's happening with VR and the ability to, you know, have the in-store experience while you're at home without pants on uh, makes me really jazzed. So you're a meta fan. You know, I'm a fan of meta and the ways where it's convenient for me. (laughs) 
I don't want to have work meetings in the metaverse. Never going to be about that. I kind of do. I, actually have- I want like a, I want to make a fake avatar and just mess with Jay all day. <laughs> I, I actually had my first client uh, probably about three weeks ago ask if I wanted to have a virtual meeting. And I was like, no, I, I, don't, I don't have the technology for that yet. So, um, but I feel like it'll get there. And that's when I will probably retire because I will be way past my prom then. So, um, <laughs> You know, I wish now that I would have done more meta articles. We have some pretty strong opinions about the uh, virtual world here on this podcast. Uh, That would have been a good one. I don't think we have any this week. So maybe maybe we'll, well, next time we have, when you come on, Chloe, we'll we'll search for one for you. I was going to do one, but I decided not to. I don't know. I've heard you guys uh, talk about some some VR articles, though, that I found very fascinating. So, yeah, definitely next time I'm on, I want to talk about VR and the metaverse. Very good. Any books that you are reading? Yeah. Okay. So I am, I'm in the middle of reading two books right now because I'm one of those people who, as soon as I pick a book up, I I can't put it down and I can't stop reading it, but it doesn't stop me from picking up a second book and also not being able to finish that one. So I'm reading two books right now. The first one is a really hilarious uh, comedy book called Let's Pretend This Never Happened by um, a New York Times bestselling author named Jenny Lawson. It's a terrific hilarious um, autobiographical book about her life growing up in small town Texas as the daughter of a taxidermist. Um, it was actually a book that was recommended to me by my boss, Ashley. And uh, and it's so funny. I've laughed in nail salons reading it. I've laughed in airplanes reading it. I'm pretty sure everyone around me thinks I'm insane. It is so funny. Highly recommend it. Um, especially if you like kind of dark, twisted humor. It's a really good one. Uh, and then I'm also reading a Glennon Doyle book right now, Love Warrior, which was recommended to me by a, a close girlfriend of mine. And that one's a, a little bit heavier, a little bit more on the vulnerable, emotional side, um, but also a really beautiful read. Awesome. Very good. Emily, how are you doing with your um, uh, your adult novel? It's great. Okay, that's good. That's good. I finished a Lincoln last night, so on to my next book. I'm Chloe. I'm going through the presidential uh, biographies, and I'm up to Abraham Lincoln. Next is Andrew Johnson, so I'm 17 presidents in at this that's point. That's impressive. Who is your favorite president so far, Jay? Oh, my favorite president is Calvin Coolidge. We could we could go into that. Uh, and a lot of people don't like him, but I, I like him. Oh. Um, and so. Um, f- f- various policy economical reasons I liked him but um but uh thus far Abraham Lincoln you know as much as you know about Abraham Lincoln um and just being 100% honest here in the 80s in the south they didn't really teach too terribly much about <laughs> about Abraham Lincoln they probably do a better job now um I would hope I would think uh, and so, you know, really kind of getting to dive deep into his uh, life. It was interesting. It was a long book. It was like a thousand wow. pages. Um, but he, he's a good one. James Polk is an interesting one. Well, there's a lot of interesting ones. Ones that you have those like um, William w- William Henry Harrison, who died 35 days into right. office. And so you're reading, really not reading about his presidential time. You're reading about everything that led up to that. And so uh, that's the neat stuff is getting to kind of, see how people transform and get there. And so, um, yeah, that's interesting. I think though, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go with guns of August, which is a world war one, uh, book about how world war one got started. So I'm excited. about wow. that. Timely. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, well, that's kind of what's stoking it for me there. But, um, and then last question, Chloe. This is an important one. Have you ever seen the 1980s hit Willow? All right, so I'm going to make a confession here, Jay. I told myself that I was going to watch Willow before I came on your podcast because I knew this question would get asked, uh, but I did not watch it. <laughs> so, no, I have not seen the 1980s hit Willow. However, uh, I am going to put it on my to-do list for this weekend, and I will report back to you. Okay, okay. It's going to, you know, you got to it's, it's a fantasy. So don't, don't go in, you know, expecting – uh, a serious look at anything. It's a fan. It's an eighties fantasy in the vein of labyrinth or, uh, you know, never ending story or any of those, you know, it, it's not like those movies, but just kind of in the vein of those movies. Eighties had was wonderful, fabulous for, for fantasy and whimsical style films. And so uh, this Willow follows in that same line. You want to watch it before it comes out on uh Disney plus the series, yeah. uh, because once the series comes out, I imagine that, it's going to be probably the biggest thing, uh, the most viral thing at the moment. And you can always say, oh, I was a fan of Willow way before this. I really hope out. that's true. <laughs> a revival, if you will. There you go. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like what happened with Westworld, right? You know, where the show came yeah. out and all of a sudden everybody's a, everybody's a hipster about, about the films. But, hey, Labyrinth and NeverEnding Story are two of my favorite movies. So if it's in the same vein as that, I think I'll really enjoy it. Absolutely. And that is our five questions with Chloe. We're going to sit back for a second, Chloe. We're going to give you a couple minutes. Tell us a little bit about Clyde. You're with, you're with uh, Clyde. Um, explain to the listener what you guys do. Kind of distill it down, uh, your elevator pitch. Maybe even talk a little bit about what you do within Clyde. And uh, we're going to give you a couple minutes here to talk to, to us about yeah, your Yeah, thank you so much. Happy to, happy to share more about Clyde. So as I mentioned before, I'm the director of agency partnerships at Clyde. So my role is really focusing on um, building partnerships with agencies like EY, obviously. So agencies that are also working with e-commerce merchants to help them sell better online, um, improve customer LTV, and ultimately drive more revenue. Uh, Clyde itself is an ownership enrichment platform uh, that helps brands deepen customer relationships and drive lifetime value. We do that through extended warranties, through registration, and through a really efficient claims process. Um, so with our extended warranty and claims plus process, we offer uh, a nice automated digital flow that helps end customers when something does go wrong with the products that they use and love. Um, you know, one of the trends that we're seeing right now, um, and, and I'll say this about millennials, but I'll preface it by saying I am also a millennial. <laughs> uh, one of the things that, that we're, I think, reading and hearing about in terms of, of trends is that millennials are uh, spending more investing in products than they are investing in property. So, you know, if you remember a couple of years ago, all these articles came out about millennials who are spending all their money on avocado toast and therefore not buying homes, or if they are buying homes, it's for dogs, not to have kids. And um, what we are seeing is an actual trend where millennials are really investing into buying products that they love. And what Clyde is allowing uh, generations that are purchasing online to do is to have really positive experiences with those brands and build relationships with those brands so that as 
Um, they use those products as human error occurs. I mean, you know, the thing I always say is there's, I've never owned a laptop that I haven't spilled a cup of coffee on. <laughs> um, it's not that the products are bad. It's that the end user is a human and therefore errors will happen. Mistakes will happen. Um, you know, but what Clyde is really helping, um, helping merchants to do is to have those touch points with their customers so that if something does go wrong, they can offer them a really positive claims experience um, and provide a positive resolution uh, while at the same time driving additional revenue for the merchant through those contract sales um, and then giving them visibility uh, into into customers that they otherwise would have lost during a third-party sale. Let's say, for example, a merchant sells via Amazon or big box retail. We have a registration tool by which the end customer can register the product. The merchant will then capture that data that they otherwise would have lost during a third-party sale, and they can market directly to that um, to that end customer to drive more D2C sales in the future. So really, it's about improving uh, customer lifetime value, driving revenue for those businesses and, you know, building trust uh, with our end customers to to really expedite um, the resolution process and ultimately keep them coming back for, you know, that second sale, third sale and beyond with a brand. That's awesome. No, it's, it's a great company. I got a question yeah. for you and maybe you've explained this before, um, but Clyde, where, uh, talk to me about the name. Is there is there a special? I mean, is that's a that's a unique name. That's one that I remember for sure. Um, any 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 thing with a the brand there? Yeah. I mean, how, how did how did we come yeah, about? Yeah, that? that's a great question. So, <laughs> our CEO is a really really smart guy by the name of Brandon Gell. Um, Brandon named Clyde actually after a robot that he built for a project. So he built a robot. The robot's name was Clyde. Um, fast forward quite a few years, he was working for. Um, an e-commerce brand that sold 3D printers. And this company decided that they wanted to be able to sell extended warranties to their end customers. So Brandon went out, he tried to build relationships with some major warranty providers who basically said, hey, you guys are you know, an SMB business, uh, you're doing sub $20 million in revenue a year. So even though they felt like they had a really successful business to these major players in the warranty space, it was sort of small fries. And, uh, and so Brandon said, you know what, if these brands, um, if these major warranty providers aren't willing to work with brands like us, then I'll go out and create a tool so that brands of all sizes have the same options as the Fortune 500 companies of the world. Um, and so he decided to name it after this robot. He built Clyde. And then uh, we have an internal tool that our team uses. And a couple of years ago, we voted on a name and that tool's name is Bonnie. So we've got a Bonnie and a Clyde. That's awesome. That's really cool. I like that. That's um. I've I've been wondering that, and now I know the backstory of Clyde and the backstory of Bonnie. That's um... yeah. Fun fact, actually, when yeah. I was uh, when I was in college, I went to college at Baylor. I'm a I'm a Texan, uh, but for most of my life, I've been a Texan. And uh, when I was in college at Baylor, I spent a summer where I worked on a horse ranch at a summer camp. And it was a nonprofit, so people would, you know, drop all kinds of animals off there and we'd be left to care for them. And through a series of events, I became responsible for a baby goat whose name was Clyde. <laughs> and oh. uh, when I got the job offer at Clyde, I sort of felt like, all right, this is a sign. It's it's come full circle. They've got the same name as my baby goat. So I guess I'll go work there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, this is a little bit left field here, but uh, uh, kind of a horse ranch, dude ranch. Have you ever watched the show Hey Dude on Nickelodeon? I have not. 
Okay. I'm just asking. We won't go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Tell us about, um, tell, tell us, tell us where they can find you. Tell us, you know, URL, uh, if, if folks have questions, talk to us about some verticals. What verticals do you guys really enjoy? Yeah, that's in? a great question. In terms of verticals, um, I would say really that the key verticals that we're seeing success for Clyde in, um, furniture, mattresses, jewelry, e-bikes, e-scooters, aftermarket, auto parts. Um, we do a lot with consumer electronics, connected fitness brands, outdoor goods, sporting goods. Um, all tend to be really great verticals for Clyde. Uh, particularly, I would say if you have a product that's you know on the, the lower end, maybe fifty to seventy-five dollars. Middle end, several hundred, and then a higher end if you're selling products that are in the thousands. Um, it could potentially be a fit, really anything that's got power running through it, plugs into electrical source, has batteries in it, those types of products, a lot anything, of times. Anything we can break. Yeah, there you go. Lots of breakable <laughs> items uh, are covered by Clyde. Uh, you can check us out online at joinclyde.com. Uh, that's our merchant facing site. Uh, we have a, a end customer dashboard for end customers who have purchased Clyde contracts at highclyde.com. And our merchant facing site is joinclyde.com. Um, and then if you ever have questions, you know, I'm available on LinkedIn. You just got to type in Chloe Fisher and look for the one at Clyde and I'll pop right on up and always happy to answer questions about our services. That's great. Well, they got a good one in you, Chloe. We've always enjoyed working with you and, um, you know, you, you've, you've come in, you've taught, taught us a lot about uh, Cloud. We're looking forward to doing some marketing opportunities with you. I know that we have some customers that are, are currently working between our two customers, our two, our two uh, companies here. And so I'm excited for a long and, and prosperous future for Clyde. I think that you guys are doing good things. Me and Emily have talked about it before, uh, the, the democratization of e-commerce and, you know, you guys, it sounds like, and it feels like you guys fall right into that, that, you know, really making sure that nobody gets left out in any e-commerce that, that for anything you can, you can, uh, get that warranty. You can improve on the merchant side. You can provide that added extra service, uh, on the customer side, you can feel safe when you're buying something. And so that, that's a big deal. And we love what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I would say democratization is definitely the right word. There are options for merchants of all sizes from SMBs to large enterprise corporations like Dyson and Movado watches. We work with them all. So, um, certainly I would say democratization is, is a great word for it, Jay, but likewise, I've really enjoyed working with EY and, and we're really excited about the future of what Clyde and EY are going to do together. And, and I didn't, I didn't ask you this before, so there's nothing, please just say, it. uh, we don't have anything right now, but anything, any, any webinars, any blog posts, any, anything out there that we need to be on, like you're going to be at any shows in the next couple of, uh, months, any, anything that any, anybody that's listening to this need to be on the lookout yeah, for? Absolutely. So we'll have some team members at eTail West, uh, next week. So I guess by the time this episode drops, it'll be eTail West time, uh, out in Palm Springs. We'll be at Shop Talk in Vegas. Uh, we'll be at IRCE as well. I believe that's in uh, in May, I think. Um, so certainly we'll be around uh, at trade shows throughout the year. Uh, come find us. Um, and then in terms of um, blog posts, webinars, there's tons of great content um, out there about Clyde. One thing I'd really encourage people to to check out is some of the content that we've done around our integration with Clyde and Clavio together. Um, so leveraging email marketing tools like Clavio uh, to drive uh, contract sales post-purchase. 
We've got an entire playbook around uh, how you can set up those flows in Klaviyo for merchants that use both of our products together. But um, we've got some great tech tailwinds papers that our content manager, Michael Calabrese, has written recently as well, um, sort of about what we're seeing in terms of app adoption, um, the number of apps that are typically in a merchant store, which is a staggering number. Uh, and really how how we all as, you know, um, people who interact and advise our merchants can make sure that they're keeping their businesses safe, utilizing their apps well, um, and making sure that there's not overlap, but also what they can do with the additional revenue that they're driving from apps like Clyde that, that help them drive additional revenue back into their business. Very good. Very good. Well, again, thank you for being on here. Looking forward to the rest of the conversation. Uh, and with that, Emily, we're going to go to you. Tell us what's going on at EY Studios this oh, week. Oh, yeah. We are popping off this week. Just because I was out doesn't mean my team was not hard at work. So we got some new fresh blog posts out in the sphere uh, talking about full site creation services. Is your website looking to go to a new platform? Are you guys just kind of looking for something all new? Uh, this kind of helps you answer some questions, kind of see if this is the right path for you, or you guys should kind of look at other options. And then on top of that, the best ways to use Instagram for e-commerce. I know not everyone has a chance to just sit down and play with Instagram. So this is a great blog post to just kind of get up to speed, kind of get the ins and outs and really try to make the most out of social media. Very nice. Yeah. Keep on, keep them coming, Emily. We uh, enjoy the post. We're going to be doing some more things here. Uh, we got some things working with Big Commerce, some things working with Magento, some things working with Clyde, some things working with other partners. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're really going to be cranking out some good stuff. We are looking forward to that. Make sure, obviously, you come back to the podcast every week because you have stumbled upon Southern Fried E-Commerce. We do this pretty much every week. We might skip a week here or there. Uh, Emily's out of town. I don't want to uh, do this without Emily. <laughs> we're, we're off that week. Uh, but yeah, we tape this every Friday of every week. It generally goes live every Monday of the following week. Uh, just talking about the going-ons in e-commerce, any news, any interesting articles, any, any um, you know, help blogs, anything like that that we find on the World Wide Web. We bring them to you. We discuss them. Uh, just a nice roundtable discussion. We try not to get too terribly deep into it. We want this to be a friendly, easygoing if you're sitting at the bar and for whatever reason you begin talking about e-commerce, that's the type of conversation we want to have on this podcast. You can find us on all the major podcasting platforms, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Apple. Uh, I guess those are the major ones. I'm sure there's more out there, but you can find us on there. You can also find us on our site at eystudios.com. You can read the blog round or the podcast roundup. And, um, yeah, listen to us from there. So, again, guys, thank you all for joining us. Please like, share, tell all of your friends about Southern Friday Commerce. And uh, we'll do this again next week, I guess. All right, guys, let's go into this week in e-commerce. I think I got about – I definitely have about three articles. I might touch on four articles. There is one article that I want to mention really quick. Emily, that I want a shooting for, right. okay? And this article came out on February 21st, uh, 2022. And this is by our friend Sig. I talk about Sig all the time from Practical E-Commerce on this podcast. And he wrote an article, 17 Podcasts for Online Merchants in 2022. Emily, spoiler alert. We're not yet on this uh, list. But 
I said, what? what? Are you kidding yeah, me? I know. All this free press? Yet. <laughs> uh, soon enough, soon enough. This is what we're shooting for here is the, uh, is the podcast for online merchants. I wonder... Uh, make sure that we tag SIG in our in every post that we have going forward, please. <laughs> Hashtag, please add us to your list. <laughs> so we are going to put this, and I do think that we need to link to this because it is good to listen to podcasts. It is good to acknowledge, um, you know, what's going on out there in the e-commerce world. And there's some really good podcasts here. Chloe, are you a big, uh, outside of this one, which I know that you're a religious li- listener to, uh, probably – uh, a Southern fried e-commerce head. Uh, that's what we call our, our fried heads. Um, so outside of us, are, are you are you a big podcast you listener? You know what? I am. I'm I'm a huge podcast listener. Uh, unsurprisingly, I'm a millennial woman who's really into true crime podcasts. Yes, ma'am. Sure. I mean, hello. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm a huge podcast listener. Podcasts are the thing that I put on when I'm cleaning the house, driving around, very into podcasts. You know, I would have thought that podcasts would take a hit with the lack of uh, commuting back mm. and forth to work. I, I know people still do, but, I, I, you know, I would say at least 30 to 40% of folks still aren't commuting back and forth to work. My wife's actually having to go in to her office for the first time in two yeah. years. Uh, y'all, y'all think about her. She's a little bit nervous because it's been two years and you just get so used to being at the house. Uh, but but um, yeah, I would think that podcast would have taken a little bit of hit. But I just think that they've grown exponentially over the past two years. You hear about it all the time. Obviously, we all know about the snafu with Joe Rogan. But each and every, um, each and every, well, maybe snafu is too too easy there. But you know the the ongoings with the Rogan Rogan experiment, mm-hmm. whatever they call it, Rogueheads, um, Rogueheads. Um, <laughs> Adding the head of everything, and that's your family. Um, but as a whole, more and more people are listening to podcasts. And so Sig here gave us 17 podcasts for online merchants. I'm just going to go through them really, really quick for folks. You'll find the links on here um, so you guys can know, hey, maybe maybe you want to listen to some of these podcasts. Number one, and of course, this is a practical e-commerce site. We have e-commerce conversions, which is practical e-commerce's uh, weekly podcast. I actually began listening to this a while ago. It's a really good podcast. They go through a lot of stuff. They have a lot of good interviews, um, and, and they and they just really uh, get people that are very knowledgeable in the e-commerce industry. They talk to them. Um, we got NPR, How I Built This, uh, and this one is uh, for entrepreneurs mainly. And, and Emily, have you watched? Have you listened to any of these? <laughs> no. <laughs> any of these yeah i'm actually a listener of uh how i built this it's it's a really fascinating podcast i will say if you're somebody like me who's curious about entrepreneurs the interesting and strange creative businesses that they start and really the heart behind it i think there are some awesome episodes of how i built this well, I am subscribing right now, so um, I, I, I've heard of this one. I, I listen to a lot of video game podcasts, believe it or not, and also weird history, or not weird history, but fascinating history podcasts. Those are my jam. I feel like I live e-commerce. I do need to listen to more e-commerce podcasts, but uh, just to be more knowledgeable. But in the small amount of time I have in my car, I guess I'm, I'm choosing uh, podcasts that probably put my nerves at ease more than really diving deep into my industry, which is a no-no. We all should be diving deep into our industry. Emily? What um, the? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Then, then we have Business Wars. I'm just going to go through these. Business Worlds Wars hosted by David Brown, former anchor of Public Radio's Marketplace. Oh, I like Marketplace on NPR. Um, it's just talks about rivalries such as Netflix versus HBO, Nike versus Adidas. Hey, that sounds like cool podcast. Uh, Masters of Scale. This is one about scaling your 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 um, your business. Shopify Masters. This is a good one. Who does Shopify Masters? I think the guys over at um, it is a a um, agency that does it. Have you, have you ever heard of Shopify Masters, Chloe? You no. Know our masters, have, the Shopify. I have heard of Shopify Masters. I don't know that I've ever listened to it. As- Maybe it's a, uh, actually it's just an official Shopify podcast. So, uh, man, those guys, they just market everywhere. I, I tell you, uh, you can't beat Shopify when it comes to marketing. We don't do tons of work on Shopify, but if they do one thing right, and they do a lot of things right, but if they do one thing right, it is marketing their business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the host of of that Shopify Masters podcast is Felix Thea, um, but yeah, 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 that's that's an interesting one, you know, in terms of, of the topics that they're covering. And, and to your point, Jay, Shopify does such a good job at at pouring into, um, especially into the the devs that use their platform, and you know, helping them leverage platforms that are Shopify centric. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, they do. They do a good job over there. Um, next, we have the Knowledge Project. Uh, this one presents long form interviews with revolutionary, revolutionary doer and thinkers to sharpen your mind. It's a good I want to be known as revolutionary one day. <laughs> you are to me. Jay Brimberry, that revolutionary individual. Um, Exponent is the next one. Um, let's see. What's this one about? It's a business uh, blog. Uh, I guess it's. For a production of stat, Statuary is hosted by Ben Thompson and James Al- Allworth. Ben Thompson is the author of Statuary, a blog about the business and strategy of technology. So that one looks uh, interesting. Knowledge at Wharton, Wharton Business School, uh, or Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, number one business school in the land, has been for a long time. Their podcast, Smart Passive Income. Hey, who wouldn't want more money? I'd love more money. Well, there you go. Listen to Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. We got HBR IdeaCast, the $100 MBA. Hey, I need to know that one because those are expensive. <laughs> Entrepreneurs on Fire, the Side Hustle Show, Acquired. Anywho, uh, there's a couple of here. There, there's a good bit. We're gonna we're gonna post this on the um, link on the. Um, on the show notes because I do think it's good for folks to get out there and there's some really good podcasts. So if you're thinking about what podcast do I need to be listening to, even though they've excluded us on this list, Emily, not next year though, not 2023. Um, yeah, I check out this article, uh, really good, good, um, article put together by SIG here, uh, our little list here so that you can find some good podcasts. Just wanted to hit that really quick. All right, guys, let's go into our next uh, article here, and this is this is an interesting one. I was reading through it and uh, thought, hey, this is something that we can talk about here. So this is Macy's rejects e-commerce spinoff as it looks to build on digital growth, and this one's by Ben Unglesby. I think we've talked about him before, and this is from Retail Dive. So I'm going to read through this really quick, and then we'll have a quick discussion. 
short article, so it won't take long. Um, Macy's executive shot down the possibility of spinning off its e-commerce businesses into a standalone company after studying such a move with help from the consultancy Alex Partners. In every scenario we considered, we found that the combination of our profitable digital platform with our national footprints will deliver greater value to shareholders than a separation of our digital and physical assets, Macy's CEO Jeff Gannett said on the company's fourth quarter earning call, the company, the, the, the decision on the spinoff follows a fourth quarter with Macy's comparable sales up 28.3 and digital sales up 12, 12% year over year and up 36% from Q4 of 2019. Comps for the full year were up 43%. Digital sales grew by 13% from 2020 and digital penetration stood at 35%. All right, so that's that's a dive. We'll go a little bit into this. Our first question, Chloe, are you a Macy's shopper? You know what? I feel like I am a Macy's shopper when I see a good sale. I never mm-hmm. say no to a good sale. Um, but if I'm honest, I'm more of a, a Nordstrom's rack girl myself. Uh, <laughs> I, I am a Macy's shopper occasionally, though. They've got some great shoes. Yeah, no, they um, and they generally have pretty good sales. Uh, I can you can find some really good things at Macy's. Um, cheap. Do you go in store? Or do you ever do the online experience? Gosh, you know, I am I am like a diehard e-com girl. Uh, I don't go into any physical stores anymore. The fact that I can lay at home in bed with with some bad reality TV on in the background and do my shopping is plenty enough for me. I can't remember the last time I walked into Macy's. But I do remember the last time I was on their website shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say I, their digital experience. Uh, it kind of it's a lot on that website. Right. It is a lot on that website. Uh, you know, and this is something that we always have to talk about with our with our customers. Um, big brands like Macy's can just throw crap on the wall and hope that. And listen, I get it. They're 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 they probably got uh, more. You know analytical minds looking at the data from this website than any of us could probably ever imagine. Um, but with these big businesses, sometimes I look at their website and I say, how, how is anybody converting on this thing? It's a chore to try to find what I want. You got all this money and you've almost outsmarted yourself. Is that something, Emily, that you've kind of seen with big you brands? You it's funny. I had this exact same thought when I was trying to buy a pair of pants. Macy's was also having a sale. So I was like, ooh, they sell this pair of pants that I really want to find. And it took me so long to finally dive down into that specific brand. The product names are different than the other store that I tried to purchase them from. It became this huge issue that I went, you know what? I don't even want to save the money. I'm going to pay full price. I'm just going to pay full price for these pants because at least I know it'll take two clicks instead of these 16. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Chloe, did you do you have the same experience? And, and this isn't—I don't—I I like Macy's. This is—I feel like Macy's don't go on here and say cease and desist about talking about our site, please. This is why Sigma put us on. Because I mean, you guys are making money, so so just what we have to say. Uh, you guys are up 13 percent uh, from twenty twenty in the e-commerce. But but what's been your experience with the Macy's site? Yeah, you know what? Here, here's what I'll say about any large department store like a Macy's. Right? It's it's nice when you walk in because the store is organized. There's 
few different levels. Generally, it's spread out over, you know, two or three stories. You know where men's is and women's and children and shoes and handbags, whatever you're looking for. And I think that gets a little messy anytime you go into a department store's website. I don't think it's just Macy's that has a problem. I find that with most department store shopping. I mean, you know, a minute ago I said I'm a Nordstrom's Rack shopper. I have the same problem when I shop at the Nordstrom's Rack website or even the Nordstrom website. And I think part of it is the experience of walking in a store, going from one story to the next and, you know, purchasing items and seeing how everything's laid out is a really tactile experience. And I'm not sure the department stores have totally um, honed into how they can bring that experience online. Um, you know, hey, hey, Macy's, if you're listening to this, send me coupons and I'll buy from you online. But <laughs> I do think it's something where there's a lot of work for large department stores that span so many product catalogs in general to improve on. And I think that's one of the, the interesting things about this article with Macy's rejecting these e-commerce spinoffs is they sort of had an opportunity to make these smaller niche e-com spinoffs that are more unique to home goods or just clothing and apparel or, you know, fine jewelry. Um, but instead what they've chosen to do is to continue to sell online the same way that they sell in store. And I think what we'll likely see in the next five years is more department stores making these spinoffs. I think even the article mentions that Saks Fifth Avenue has done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that's the uh, muse for this thing that they're the ones that kind of started that, that well, I won't say started, but I guess maybe we're successful. I haven't done a lot of research on it, but uh, Saks Fifth Avenue definitely has split off. Alex Partner, who was helping Macy's, uh, are the guys that, that consulted on that one there. And, and that's, you know, that's great insight, Chloe, because I was about to ask you, you know, what do you think the use case is for a spinoff? Because that Macy's brand name is just so... Um, prevalent, right? I mean, there, there's nobody in the United States of America that hasn't at least heard of Macy's and for nothing else, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, you know, Macy's is as American as apple pie. You know, it's, it's a huge name. It's a mm -hmm. retail giant. We know Macy's. And I think particularly for um, for some of these older generations who had to make the switch into purchasing goods online as a result of the pandemic, you know, going to, to big box shops like a Macy's was far more convenient for them than doing the research about some smaller mom and pop shops that perhaps those of us who are fluent in e-commerce or millennials or Gen Z's would feel more compelled to buy from these mom and pop brands. I think, you know, for, um, for generations who are comfortable in brick and mortar departments, stores, they're always going to want to buy from a Macy's. And I, I think something that's really interesting about it is that Macy's really knows their shareholders. They really know their demographic. And I wonder if there's some strategy behind people are going to buy from the name brand of Macy's. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that brand recognition plays a part here. Um, little, little tidbit, Macy's was the first credit card I ever had and then discover. And I got discover for a pizza, free pizza in uh, college. Pizza. But when I was trying to build up my credit, uh, Macy's was, was a nice enough company to take a risk on me. I don't know if it was a great risk, but they did take a risk on me. And so, um, you know, that, that's probably some of that as well too, right? Uh, I mean, they make a lot of, they make a lot of money uh, through that business as well. And, make, and just all of that kind of coalesces into this brand recognition um, and, and just, you might have to retrain folks if you are 
if you break these off to different brands, different strategies, although I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Chloe. I do see the use case for really driving deep down into what, um, to the different segments. Because, I mean, you go into Macy's, you got women's apparel, men's apparel, shoes, uh, jewelry, you got home goods, you got some toys. Uh, now you got toys because if you go down a little bit in this article, also bringing in new customers is Macy's collaboration with the Toys R Us brand, Yippee, uh, which has an online element. Jeanette said 25% of the Toys R Us shoppers were new customers to the Macy's brand, and 93% of, of those toy customers shop other categories. And I have, again, I haven't done too much research on it. So I wonder, Toys R Us is underneath the, the Macy's brand. Is, is, is that correct? You know, I wondered that as well. I remember, and, and I don't have kids, so I don't know much about Toys R Us or what they've done, you know, in the last uh, 25 years. Um, I remember Toys R Us was was at a point last year where they were potentially headed towards an acquisition. I wonder if that was an acquisition that happened by Macy's. I'm sure people are listening to this podcast and yelling at us because they know the answer. Ooh, I found <laughs> it. I opened Wikipedia. All right. Uh, Give us the good stuff. In Emma. August of 2021, WHP Global announced that Toys R Us will be opening over 400 stores within Macy's starting in 2022. Very All nice. right, so I guess that's how they're keeping their brand alive in terms of, you know, again, people aren't walking into Toys R Us just to buy toys anymore. They want to be able to do all their shopping in one place or even one site. So a store within a store. They kind of do that with Sephora. Yeah. I believe that Macy's does it with Sephora. Maybe it's Belt. It's but, JCPenney's. Um, Okay, it's JC Penn. So yeah, I got them all wrong. Um, but I know that, you know, that they do that with Sephora. I know Sears used to do that with some of their mm -hmm. um, shops. God rest their soul. Um, <laughs> and I do see Toys R Us has a new e-commerce site. I'm looking at, I guess it's e-commerce. Yeah, they, you know, that was going, and we're kind of diverging off paths here. But that's one of the things that did Toys R Us in. They, they were too slow to get into the e-commerce game. And by the time that they did, uh, they were just, you know, you could go buy these toys from anywhere else. And yeah, I'm looking because if you go to their e-commerce store, I'm looking at Kinetic Sand Construction Site, which sounds fun, and it's $34.99, and it's Macy's.com price. Huh. So yeah. I guess everything runs through the Macy's platform, which is another part of this article um, where they're talking about Macy's, and we've talked about this a little bit, uh, Emily, Macy's getting more and more into the um, to, to the marketplace, you know, allowing others to, to sell goods on their site. I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm going to go to Macy's to look for it with Walmart, with, you know, Amazon, but maybe, maybe so. Uh, but they are going to be allowing a third party marketplace. Would you go to Macy's to shop for things that aren't necessarily Macy's, Chloe? You know what? Yeah, why not? I'd be willing to check it out. I think, I think what we're seeing now is more and more brands. I mean, especially a brand to, to our earlier conversation that's got the recognition that the Macy's name does. I think uh, going into a, a marketplace type scenario is a, great move for a company like mm -hmm. Macy's. Um, it'll increase the the assortment of SKUs that they can sell. Um, it allows, you know, the, the uh, customers who have a high level of demand to really quickly find mm -hmm. the products that they're looking for, compare prices a little bit better. And I mean, I think most of us feel that Amazon is a necessary evil today. So, hey, I think for a lot of our merchants who feel like they have to sell on Amazon, even if they're not making profits uh, that, that they perhaps would make in a direct sale, there's nothing wrong with having more third-party options for those merchants as well, where potentially the profit margin is a bit better. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Omnichannel is where it's going. Um, we just got back from the Big Commerce Partner Summit. I know that they're putting a big emphasis on uh, Omnichannel, and, and they're going to really be uh, pushing that forward. So, you know, the more places, I guess, where you can sell your um, your wares, I, I guess it doesn't hurt. Of course, it always comes down to, and I'll tell people all the time, and I get it, Amazon is a big piece, piece of folks' business. I just feel horrible that a big company like that takes so much money from these merchants. I mean, they take a pound of flesh from you. Yeah. So it probably also comes down to, okay, great. What, what Macy's is going to get the cut if they do a marketplace. What's that cut going to be, you know? Yeah, certainly. And I think there's something interesting to explore there as well. And, and I could go into a rabbit hole on this one, so I'll avoid that. But you know, I think there's something interesting to explore there on how Macy's will choose to fulfill those items as well that are sold via their marketplace. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, with third-party marketplaces like Amazon, obviously, you've got FBA. So on top of merchants, you know, being, um, being taken, you know, basically for scraps on their profit from Amazon, just from the sale perspective, a lot of times merchants are getting dinged for how long their products sit in an FBA warehouse as well. So potentially if, if Macy's is doing that fulfillment, it'll be interesting to see how they charge merchants for that fulfillment as well. Absolutely. So big things happening over on Macy's. Emily, any last words on Macy's? I I kind of am in favor of this marketplace idea just because I've always personally felt Macy's is kind of that higher end brand. So if you can get your brand in that marketplace and be showcased with all those other front runners, it's good for your brand. It's good for your business because, you know, Amazon sells everything, everything. But Macy's mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, so it's a nice way to just kind of make your brand feel a little more special. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I said that uh, Macy's was my first uh, credit card. It was, but I didn't ever step foot into a Macy's until I was probably 20, 21 years old, just because they don't have them in South Georgia, where I'm from. Had to come up to Atlanta. So they're pretty strategic about where they put things. Emily, uh, did you go to Macy's when you were living down yonder? Yonder? I don't even know if we had a Macy's. I think we had a Dillard's. Yeah, Yeah, Dillard's. (laughs) Yeah, Dillers. We had a Belk. Belk is the Southern Macy's. Ooh, yeah, I think. a good a good old Belk. And like you said, R.I.P. Sears. <laughs> we we shall miss you. All right, guys. Let's move on to that next article. Great discussion on Macy's and what they're doing there, and things that folks can uh, you know. Uh, one last piece that I wanted to say about that. When we're talking about digital strategies and digital strategies of brand, we were talking about how complex that they can get breaking them off. That's one reason why. Uh, and it happens all the time. We have small to medium-sized businesses come to us and say, we like this site. We want to look like this site right there. And I've had some, oh, we like the Macy's site. And we, it's like, you're not going to be, understand that when a brand has a name, they are going to get conversions a lot of time on the brand name. If they didn't have that brand name and you went on that Macy's site, I don't know what their conversion rate is right now, but I can guarantee you it would not be the same without that Macy's brand name. And so uh, for merchants, you know, as, as you're looking and thinking about this, you got to, if you feel like you're a competitor of Macy's or that's one of the folks that you're going against, you got to zig where they're zagging and you got to give folks a much more curated um, feeling to your site as opposed to Macy's where they're just trying to cast, cast a large net and letting everybody um, come in there. So last little bit on that, just taking it back to the uh, SMB merchant. And if you're listening to this and thinking, okay, well, how does Macy's do things? Don't. Don't even don't even uh, worry about that until you become a at least a billion dollar company, right, Chloe? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe I feel this way because I work in e-commerce and I see how much work our merchants put into to building their sites, but I'd much rather buy from, you know, a, a company where a business owner has their hands in the business. And when I go on the website, I get a feel for the flavor of their brand, the heart of their brand, what's important to their founders and their employees. I'd much rather purchase from that website than from a retail giant that's just pocketing profit. Absolutely. Well, let's hit this. Um, let's hit this uh, last article. We've hit the podcast. We've done Macy's. We're going to talk about this, and we might play a quick little game. Uh, I don't know if it's a game. I'm going to just guess on one final article here, but we'll hit this one pretty pretty quickly. Magnolia Boutique social media post results in seventy nine percent jump in website sales, and this is on Digital Commerce three hundred and sixty, written by Gretchen Salois. Uh, uh, first of all, have either of y'all shopped on Magnolia Boutique? Never heard of it. So I've heard of it. Uh, Instagram is really good with these these targeted ads. <laughs> but one thing I will say, and uh, and you guys know this because you've met me in person, I'm a bigger girl. I'm a plus size girl, and Magnolia Boutique does not have a great plus size option. There you uh, go. So, yeah, as as much as I'm about fashion, I need something that's going to fit my body. So, <laughs> I, if I could give one piece of advice to apparel retailers, the average American woman it is is a size 16, 18. So make sure you've got a nice plus size selection. If I could stand a clap, oh, I would, Chloe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> clap, clap, Emily. Give her a give. Hallelujah, girl. Me and you both. I get so tired of getting on an Instagram ad, and then nothing, absolutely nothing, is my size. I'm like, come on. Yeah, I'm like, let me give you my money. Just make this in my size, and I'll buy it. I just want to be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you are pretty, Emily. Oh my god. Inside and Stop out. It. Inside Stop and out. Stop it. All right, let's cut the podcast. We're done. <laughs> All righty. Uh, Magnolia Boutique strategizes its digital marketing. Differently, depending on whether it's promoting products on Instagram or TikTok, a combination of organic influencer uh, promoted and tagging bestseller items pays off with measurable results. Online apparel retailer Magnolia Boutique spends about 50% of its ad budget on Facebook and Instagram ad to, to promote the categories. Uh, despite lockdowns during the pandemic, CEO Susan Del Piore uh, says demand for its affordable and seasonal clothing continued throughout 2020 and 2020 sales increased by 28% compared to with 2019. 19, the momentum continued in 2021 as web sales increased by 32% compared with 2020. Magnolia Boutique's overall conversion rate is a little more than 3.2 compared with its social media channels, which ranges from about 2 to 2.5. 3.2 is a great conversion rate for a uh, boutique apparel company. Generally, you see kind of in that 1.75 to 2.25 mm-hmm. um, for apparel, um, you know, uh, on the on the wide scale, three point two is is excellent. Yeah, Very that good. was the first thought I had when I read this article. It kind of made my jaw drop. You know, about double what we see in conversion rate mm-hmm. of a typical apparel brand. I mean, really phenomenal conversion rate. Yeah, it's um not now. Ask me. I'm I'm taking a detour. I'm going. I'm looking at their built with. I'm seeing what they're doing here. Hey, they're on big commerce. Yes, awesome. They are. Um, there we go. Uh, our collections are huge for us. When the season launches, we put a lot of our ad budget behind leading customers to our website because we know they will browse our categories and items once they get to our page, Del Piore says. If there is a low in organic traffic, Del Piore says Magnolia Boutique will promote a specific product like a bestseller to help increase the average order value. Magnolia's AOV is about 30% higher on social media than its uh, an AOV is average order value. Uh, on 30 
is about 30% higher on social media than its site average, partly because of product tagging. We make it a point to tag multiple products in Instagram and TikTok because it helps us increase our AOV because people are buying the whole look. If for some reason something is not working with tagging or we didn't get around to it, people will start direct messaging or, come in, or, or commenting directly on the post asking where they can find it. Uh, I got some examples here. Popular Instagram post drive traffic to Magnolia Boutique's webpage. Magnolia Boutique has about 230,000 Instagram followers. What? how many of those guys are real? Uh, <laughs> and, and I just always wonder that with social media. I generally kind of divide it by 10% there, and that's probably what you have as fake. 10% of your followers might be fake. I just came up with that stat, Chloe. Don't, um, <laughs> don't quote me. That's just one I came up with in my head there. Um, Del Piori says, post effect web traffic to a Magnolia Boutique site for approximately 24 to 48 hours after a post is published. There's a residual traffic increase for about three to four days after a post is published because Instagram displays it in news feeds for a few days afterwards, she added. Posts featuring influencers with larger followings, 500,000 or more, tend to have a longer shelf life and drive traffic for 72 hours or more. Uh, they use Laura up. Beverlyn, who is an Instagram influencer. Oh, she has 1.2 million. I really missed my calling there. Um, <laughs> followers. Let's see. Poor, it just kind of goes in. I mean, this is a great article. Really good article. Um, and that's why I wanted to jump into this for folks that are looking to get into social media. Let me read this last part because this is something we've been following, Emily. Um, TikTok as a growing driver. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are the online retailer stalwart. Uh, advertising channels, but Del Piore says TikTok is growing. The retailer currently has 10,600 followers on the platform. On November 11, 2021, a Magnolia Boutique video on TikTok yielded more than 750,000 views. That's excellent. That's excellent impressions. Um, resulting in a 12% increase in web traffic compared with the day before. Overall online sales jumped by 35% compared with a site average. The video's popularity significantly outpaced its type there's typical number of views, which usually not, which usually number in the hundreds of low thousands without paid promotion. Initially, we had over 650,000 views without any paid promotion. Uh, the Del Piori says the retailer started using it as a paid TikTok ad, and views increased to more than 750,000, so uh, about 100,000 uh, for for paying for it. Um, Del Piori says the online retailer noticed through big commerce platform that TikTok. Ooh, big commerce loves them some TikTok, Chloe. <laughs> um, that TikTok performed differently compared to other social uh, channels. In general, shoppers prefer less polished production value in our education. In, in our education, educational, she says. One popular TikTok video shows which shoes to wear with the latest in jean styles. And then when shoppers see what goes well together, they start shopping. Uh, we posted a funny video and took it off. Oh, Del Piori uh, says the TikTok videos revealed to us that whatever items we do decide to post about, we better make sure we have enough inventory before we post it. That's kind of two different ideas there. Uh, strategizing how to use influencers on TikTok is different from Instagram. Yeah. So uh, merchants, if you're not on social media and I get it, there's and listen, I used to be, I don't spend too terribly much money on social media because you're not going to, but it is becoming more and more of a thing. We talk about it every single week. You got to be on social media and you got to have a good social media uh, strategy. If you're, you know, in certain verticals, I'm not going to say it's going to work great for everybody. I don't know if it would work great for an industrial parts supplier, but certainly a lot of different verticals out there. You need to make sure that your social media presence is, is um, 
is there, right? Yeah, Chloe? absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of the the things that's really interesting about this is the way that uh, that Magnolia Boutique has leveraged uh, in- influencers for user generated content. You know, I, I don't know about about you guys, but on my Instagram feed, I follow a number of influencers who have similar body types to me. And I look at the way that they style outfits and I style outfits based on what I see happening on Instagram. So when I see an Instagram influencer that I really like tag a brand, I'm super likely to go to that brand, click through their Instagram, look at the kind of items they buy, maybe even pop onto their website, throw a couple things in my cart. I'm like, a person who totally throws off sites, cart abandonment rates, because I abandon many <laughs> cards. But, you know, I will say, I think this is is such a good strategy that they've used. And the other thing that I think is so interesting about this is particularly when we look at TikTok and the crazy good algorithm that TikTok has, the way that Magnolia Boutique is leveraging how they're getting in front of their demographic, their customers on TikTok is absolutely powerful. I mean, we're seeing this drive some pretty crazy sales volume, um, drive some really, really impressive traffic. Um, But also, I think it's just a great opportunity for brands like Magnolia to also engage with more of their customers who then are going to turn around and tag Magnolia in their own looks. And these people aren't Mm -hmm. even influencers. They're just loyal to a brand that they love. And you know what? That's how you build repeat business. Social selling, without a doubt. Emily, I know that we're beginning to, matter of fact, we're talking to a uh, customer next week about TikTok. Are you excited about that? Oh, absolutely. And I think what's really great about TikTok, and they kind of explain it in this article, is it doesn't have to be this massive elaborate production like you see with like YouTube content. Is It can be really simple. What shoes go good with jeans? It it can just be that simple. We're talking to... uh, a client right now about just dropping some fizzy tablets in some water and just watching it go. I love that kind of content on TikTok because it's very relaxing and it's such great content for like after work because you're just kind of casually scrolling, feeling really relaxed. Oh, that's really cool. Let me learn more about that. Same thing with you, Chloe. I follow a lot of lovely people that wear some very cute plus size pop punk clothes. And I just sit and scroll and scroll and I pretend to plan all these outfits. Then when I've mastered hundreds of dollars in my cart, I jump out. I got to run because it's too late for me now. (laughs) Would you say that you have cart abandonment issues? But also, yes. (laughs) Got no response for Chloe. Chloe's like, oh, I it was, it was such a high rush. She just can't do it. I'm crickets over here, man. I am truly, I'm throwing off all the brands I love and I'm sorry to them. But yeah, no, I, I'm one of those people. I don't know if you guys are this way. If I see something I like on Instagram, I don't use TikTok because it's a rabbit hole I would fall into and never escape from and I wouldn't be productive in my life anymore. But if I see something I like on Instagram, especially if it's on a sale, ooh, I buy that. There's a ring that I wear every day. I get a lot of compliments on. And it was just some Shopify brand that advertised to me on Instagram. I remember when I was um, putting new decor in my house last year, I sent a couple texts to some friends telling them a particular style of rug I was looking for for my living room. Rugs.com sent me Instagram ads for weeks and weeks and weeks to the point where my friends and I started texting each other saying R asterisk G. We wouldn't even spell out the word rug anymore (laughs) because I was getting so many Instagram ads about rugs. But you know what? 
I ended up buying a rug from rugs.com and I love it. <laughs> That's right. I can't say, I, of course I'm older, but I can't say I've shopped too much. I know that is a big, that's a big deal with uh, younger millennials as well as generation Z. And again, we've, we've just, I don't know. We talk about a lot of the same things throughout uh, these podcasts because there's a lot of recurring themes, which is okay because you need to be hit over the head with this, but I cannot, I cannot stress enough, you know, in apparel and accessories, maybe in uh, toys and hobbies, um, you know, furniture and home furniture, furnishings, health, definitely health, personal care and beauty in all of these um, categories and all these verticals, you have to have a presence and you have to have a, you're going to have to have a TikTok presence. And what does that mean for you? Don't go hire the 38 year old dude <laughs> like Jay Brimberry to run your, your TikTok account. You're going to want, and this is going to be a marketable skill uh, for a younger generation. At some point they will be an older generation, but right now a younger generation uh, of folks that have really mastered TikTok and can use those skills uh, for prof- for professional gain there. And that's going to be an interesting thing. I know, I mean, internally, Mara, who's been on this podcast, uh, I think that she's going to be helping us out a lot with TikTok. She's a little bit um, young. Well, she's a lot younger than myself, a little bit younger than Emily. And she just, uh, Emily, hopefully I'm not talking out of turn here, <laughs> but but I mean, she just seems to get TikTok, right? Oh, yeah. See, I'm, a, I'm an avid watcher, not a big doer. Uh, Mara is both, which is going to be such a great insight for us. Also, you know, we have Supro in our back pocket with a super famous family. Yeah. Did you know that Supro's family is viral on TikTok? I did not. Not that they have a virus, but they are viral. No way. Supro's really been holding out on me with that fun fact. Oh, yeah. So... Supro's family is from Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, it's essentially his. I think his brother teaching his parents about Western civilization or something <laughs> like that. Even though they've lived here forever, uh, you know, it's not. But but honestly, I believe that's like what the TikTok is, and they get so many views on that uh, TikTok. That is incredible. Honestly, sounds like a TikTok channel I would follow. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, all right, guys, we're about to run up on time. Really quick game, and then we're going to hop off of here because uh, I do have a hard stop in about 10 Ooh. minutes. So wanted to just play a quick game. There was a good uh, article on eMarketer.com. Uh, it's an insider intelligence publication. The top performing categories and retailers uh, of the two, 2021 holidays. So we're going to go with the categories um, because the retailers, well, some, there's some surprises there, but I just wanted to s- see if you guys could guess the top nine. They've given you nine here with the 10th being other, um, but, uh, us holiday season, e-commerce sales growth by product category, 2021. Um, and Chloe, I'm going to let you have the first go at it. See if you can guess one of the categories. Okay. So just to clarify, these are top performing categories, basically through black Friday, cyber Monday, 2021. Is that right? That's what I would guess. And it's e-commerce sales growth. Oh. So not just, but, but like which one grew grew the most. Okay. Ooh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and guess electronics. Uh, the reason I say electronics is I feel like there's new technologies that pop up every year. I know myself and electronics are always the things that I ask for for Christmas. The nice pair of headphones I'll never buy for myself, but I want someone else to buy for me. So that's <laughs> going to be my first guess. So computer and electronics 
is two, is the second. It grew 11.5%. So you're very close to the leaderboard there, uh, Chloe, or to the top of the leaderboard there. But computer and consumer electronics were 11.5% growth. It was a 11.5% category growth uh, in 2021. Emily, give me your category. Um, I am going to go with books. I know at the emergence of book talk and just this giant surge of physical books. I, I feel like for the holidays, that probably made a nice little jump. Books are fifth on our oh. list. Books, music, and videos. So so they're putting even all those together. And that becomes fifth on our list with 9.4%. That category grew 9.4% in the U.S. holiday season 2021. Chloe, second guess. Okay. All right. Ooh, second guess. Let's see. Other things that I ask for for Christmas is totally what I'm basing this off of. Um, <laughs> gosh, you know what? I feel like, oh, uh, I am going to go with like apparel and fashion. Ooh. All righty. Emily, mm-hmm. what's, your, what's your second well, pick? Well, that was going to be my second pick, but close. Still. I guess a different one. So we have, we have computer and consumer electronics, number two. We have books, music, and video, and that was number five. We have Chloe guessing apparel, uh, and what are you going to guess? Oh, gosh. Um, gosh, what did I buy? Um, oh, um, <laughs> this is for the holiday season. Um, yep. food. Mm. All right. So we have apparel versus food. <laughs> the winner of this week's top performing category retailers of 2021 holiday game. I just came up with on Not the spot. <laughs> Is Chloe apparel and accessories was number one with a bullet at twenty two point five percent growth wow. during the e commerce uh, hol- or during the U.S. holiday season for e commerce sales. Food and beverages is is on the list, yes. Emily. It is number seven at seven point four percent. Number three, we have auto and parts. So auto parts are, are growing are, are growing pretty fast. Maybe just the buying of parts on online. Toys and and hobbies were number four. Uh, furniture and home furnishings number six. Health, personal care, and beauty number eight. And then number nine, office equipment and supplies. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So I've got a question about that. Does that mean that apparel also includes jewelry in this instance, the I way that they're so. measuring these categories? Mm, I always think so because it says apparel and accessories. Okay, okay. Well, then, yeah, that, that makes sense why it would top the leaderboard. I was going to say jewelry instead of apparel, but I guess it's all kind of uh, bucketed together here. You know, those are big ones. I will say, and this is just like a silly little antidote. Um, one year right before Christmas, when my brother and I were teenagers, we're, we're 15 months apart, very close in age. My brother is, he's a, an adult person now. He's a, a very large dude. He's six, nine. Wow. Um, yeah, huge dude. But when we were kids, I remember this time as teenagers that right before Christmas, he slammed down the toilet seat in our guest bathroom and split it in half. <laughs> My dad thought it would be really funny for Christmas to wrap up the new toilet seat and give it to my mom, his wife of 35 years oh, no. as a gift. And that did not go over well in our house, y'all. That went over real poorly. <laughs> I hope you wrap it like a, like a horseshoe. <laughs> it looked like a toilet seat in uh, wrapping paper. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he ended up having to buy her pearls that year as well to make up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Well, um, that's a great story, Chloe, to, to, to end on right there. I'll leave them with a laugh. Good job. Thank you so much for that. Um, Chloe, did you enjoy being on this week's episode of Southern Fried E-commerce? Hell yeah, this was awesome. Thank you guys so much for whoa, having me. Whoa, whoa, we are a G-rated, we are a G-rated <laughs> show. Emily, mark that for a bleak, please. <laughs> no, it was great to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is something Emily and I have been talking about for a really long time. I've been super, super excited to to be on and loved the categories that we talked about. Um, I don't know a ton about TikTok. I know it's something you guys are starting to get into more and more. And um, I thought it was really fascinating to touch on that as well. Absolutely. Emily, was this the best show ever? Honestly, with Chloe in it, this is probably my top three favorite shows. Oh. Top three. It's my favorite. It's my favorite ever, ever. Well, I can't, you know, we have had, we have so this, many This was guests. a good show. This was- Potters did really good. Wands, any show that we have, it's uh, our external guests are just um, excellent. We got some great internal guests too, but uh, always enjoy a good outside uh, mind coming in and schooling us on e-commerce. Hey, what can you say? EY picks good partners. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, Chloe, one more time. Tell us where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just type in Chloe Fisher, C-H-L-O-E-F-I-S-H-E-R. I'm over at Clyde. Feel free to connect with me there. Uh, you can check out Clyde at joinclyde.com. Um, those are the the main two places. I'm pretty shut down on Instagram and Facebook. You won't find, find much from me on either place. Um, and then certainly if you ever have questions for me, Emily knows where to where to hunt me down as well. There we go. Well, guys, thank y'all so much for joining us this week on Southern Fried E-Commerce. We're going to do this next week again. In the meantime, please like, share, tell your friends about it. Let them know what we do here. Uh, Learn a little bit about e-commerce in a light, easy, navigable um, journey here in this hour and 20 minutes that we've had together. I really hope that you enjoy the show. You can find us on on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all those different channels. Click us, download, enjoy it throughout your week. And we will see you next week.